Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. You just know it's going to be a great day when there's a bonus edition of the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch. And we have a football by numbers, jersey number 49. And we are joined by historian Joe Ziemba once again to talk 49s. And it's coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. This is your host, Darren Hayes, and we're podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So with Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neffsa, Applying us with the dunes. Let's go no huddle through today's football history headlines and birthdays of Hall of Famers. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com, and welcome once again to the Pig Pen because we have a f- special bonus edition of Football by Numbers, the greatest players today that wore the jersey number 49. We're going to go 101 years through NFL history, and joining me is Joe Ziemba. Joe Ziemba, welcome back to the Pig Pen. Darren, thanks so much for having me. And as always, the Pig Pen looks lovely. I can see you've been cleaning it up. So uh, we'll try not to make a mess when we leave. <laughs> hey, you know, that spring cleaning, it, it has to happen everywhere, you know? It does. <laughs> well, Joe, uh, we've got a tall task here once again. I say that every time, but this one might be really challenging to us uh, to get a top 10 out of this because we have only two Hall of Famers and we have a lot of players that people may have heard of or may not have heard of uh, going back through history. This will be some challenging, but we definitely will learn about some players maybe we didn't know so much about. Yeah, that's true, because sometimes you look at a number and there's a whole bunch of Hall of Famers that wore that number. And I'm thinking back when we did number 18 a while ago, so many great players had that number. Um, Not to say that today's list won't have great players, but a lot of them don't have those Hall of Fame credentials yet. Some may be there at one time. And so we'll take a look at those guys and uh, see where they may stand all time and hopefully make our revered top 10 list for the number 49. (laughs) Most definitely. Well, let's go to who Canton, Ohio has in their museum there at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They're telling us that they have their two players that wore jersey number 49 in the NFL are Bobby Mitchell and Walt Kiesling. Uh, And this time, you know, Kiesling, we've talked about him. He's wore a variety of numbers and courses probably in the Hall of Fame because of his coaching ability. But he wore the number 49 for six seasons and a couple of them with your beloved Cardinals. He did. And he spent 36 years of his life in various capacities in the, in the National Football League. League. And, of course, he was uh, all pro uh, three or four years. Uh, played for the Cardinals, played for the Packers 36 championship team. And 
ultimately was voted into the Hall of Fame in 1966. So he was one of the early inductees. And later on, Coach Pittsburgh um, in the National Football League as well and was around as an assistant coach with several teams as well. Um, but we look at a guy like him, and he's just all over the uh, pages of the history of the National Football League during its early years. So uh, he was a big guy, or I'd say a big kid when he played, weighed about 260 pounds, about six feet tall. Um, he was supposed to be an excellent defensive player with great footwork on offense as well. And so from there, of course, he uh, – he began his coaching career after he played was as a player. So yeah, uh, Kiesling is just someone I think, even though he didn't wear 49 every year, uh, he wore it several years and maybe we can consider him for our top 10 list today as well. Yeah. I, I think probably, I know we've skipped over him a bunch of times and glossed over his career, but this might be the one where uh, he makes it because of, you know, having six seasons in there in those uh, hall of fame credentials. Yeah, and especially with those uh, 36 years in the league as a player coach and then as an assistant uh, or an aide in some of the teams. So he touched a lot of people during his career and left a lot of memories as well. All right. Well, I'm, I'm good with putting him on now if you want, because I, I think he's deserving of it. We do like uh, having former Chicago Cardinals on that list. So thank you very much, Jerry. for that as well. I was looking at more from the coaching the Steelers aspect of it. That's you know. right. That was a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anybody had to do that. Uh, God bless them. <laughs> All right. Uh, might as well talk about our other Hall of Famer, Bobby Mitchell. Yeah, Bobby was such a versatile player. Five times All-Pro. He wore number 49 for 11 years, and he was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1983. But I was surprised when he first started in the league, he was more of a rusher. And then he evolved into a fantastic receiver. But his numbers were, were quite interesting. For example, in 1959, he rushed for 743 yards, including a long of 90, which led the league. But he also had 351 receiving yards. And just three years later, he kind of made the complete reversal to become a receiver. And he grabbed passes in 1962 for 1,384 yards on 72 catches. Followed that up the next year with 69 catches for 1,436 yards, including one for 99 yards. So he was uh, a standout both on both sides of the offense, both sides, I shouldn't say, but uh, rushing and receiving. And you know something about him, a historical footnote, as we, we are reluctant to discuss sometimes, but it was the truth that Washington was the last NFL team to integrate. And really, Bobby Mitchell was the first African-American star on that team. Uh, and he was uh, just a, a great person on and off the field. He spent 41 years of his life with the Redskins in various capacities. And a little, another little historical note was in college in 1958, uh, right before he started his pro football career, he set the world's indoor record for the 70-yard low hurdles with a 7.7 second mark for 70-yard low hurdles. Record didn't last very long, but he was a world record holder at one time as well as a Hall of Fame football player. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that's quite a brave thing. You mentioned earlier he was the first one to uh, break the color barrier with the Washington Redskins. And uh, you know, that's no small feat, especially you have a, a team that uh, 
the last one in the NFL to do so. So yes. you know, we got, got to give him props for that, especially he, you know, he was a Cleveland Brown for uh, his first four seasons. So, but I, I didn't know that about the uh, breaking the low hurdle indoor record. That's, that's uh, quite an accomplishment too. Yeah. It shows he had a little bit of speed, which may have meant why he was so successful as a receiver there during his career. Yeah. I, well, I definitely think that he's another one that belongs on our list uh, fill up our second spot there, if that's okay with you. And I think we should go right to it for him. Yep. Okay. Well, now we have the people that are not on the hall of fame list as of yet. Um, Mm -hmm. When, what direction would you like to go? Because we have uh, plenty to choose. Yeah, I I would like to look at the three or four guys who spent the most years wearing number 49. And there's some interesting stories there. And if it's okay with you, I'm going to start with, Tony Richardson, who uh, played 16 years in the league, all wearing number 49, uh, most of them with Kansas, uh, Kansas City, excuse me. But he was unsung. And by that, no one really knew too much about him. He was undrafted coming out of Auburn. And yet the Hall of Fame has named him to their all the decade of the 2000s team. He was a three-time pro bowler. And uh, Tony Richardson just 6'1", 238, was a good-sized fullback, but he was born in Frankfurt, Germany. He came from a military family. Known more as a blocker than as a rusher, I guess. He didn't get a lot of opportunities. In the year 2000, he had 147 uh, rushing attempts for 697 yards, but a lot of the years he only had a handful of carries. But perhaps his, his greatest honor was that he won the NFL's Man of the Year Award in the year 2010. So for a great blocking fullback, he also had another little uh, category that a lot of people don't realize how valuable the fullback is, that he blocked for nine straight years. He blocked for another rusher who had a 1,000 yards in a season. So he was huh. very good at what he did. Uh, they don't give a lot of statistical laurels for someone who's a blocker, but Antonio Tony Richardson was one I think we might want to recognize today. Yeah, I wow, I, I didn't realize that with the statistics he had that he had such a long career, and especially a fullback, that's a pretty yeah. uh, bruising position where you take a beating, most of it uh, self-inflicted. You know, you're lunging yeah. yourself into <laughs> these big monsters on the defensive line a lot of times. So wow. Uh, yeah, I, well, did you want to put him in now or do you want to come back to him? You know, I, I think it'd be safe since we're doing number 49s, the man who wore 49 longer than anybody in the NFL that we know about should be on our list. Okay. Let's go with that. Then he's our third one on our top 10 list. All right. Uh, what uh, direction would you like to go next? Yeah. Another good candidate. Here's a gentleman who wore the number 49 for 14 years. Dennis Smith, the defensive back played his entire career, 14 years, with Denver, six times All-Pro. He led the NFL in um, interceptions, return for touchdowns, I believe, with five in 1991. And, uh, excuse me, he led the NFL with, in combined tackles in 1983 with 114. He's in the Broncos' ring of fame. Uh, and he was another good track athlete in high school. He broke, broke his high school high jump record. But a thing I didn't know about Dennis Smith is he is still the Broncos' leading all-time tackler, and he's fourth in games played for that team. 
And of course, after 14 years, you get to, to play in a few games. And he started 170 and played in 184 during that long career with the Broncos. Wow. He's the Denver's all-time leading tackler at strong safety. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Especially they've had some great defenders there over the years, but I guess, they the, have, they have, yeah. I guess the longevity though, that, that certainly helps. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Do you have, uh, well, what do you want to do with him? Do we want to put him standby? Or I think, we want to I think he him? might be in the top 10 just okay. again for what he's I, been doing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he definitely should be there. All right. Uh, how about uh, our next person we would like to discuss? Well, the next one, um, sometimes I try to align myself with punters and kickers, mainly because I never could punt or kick. I used to, I'm reminded of the old Chicago Cardinal who one time went back for a punt and kneed himself in the head and knocked himself out. So <laughs> I'm not that close, but uh, maybe that's why I like punters. But Please, please don't like tell to- me. Please don't tell me that was the year that the Steelers were combined with the, the Cardinals. <laughs> you know, it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> but this punter's name is uh, David Lee. Uh, played his entire 13-year career with Baltimore, wearing number 49. Uh, won a Super Bowl in 70. He led the NFL twice in, in, in average punts, uh, 45.6 in 1966 and 45.3 in 1969. And uh, he, he was just someone who was very consistent. He had a good philosophy about his, his punting. He said, my philosophy, philosophy about punting was just to do my job and help the team. The stats were never defining for me. One of my best punts ever was a 25-yarder that was downed at the one-yard line. So he was probably one of the first kicking specialists in the league. He broke in in 1966, and he said the hardest part about being a specialist where a lot of guys would play another position then kick, he said the hardest thing was to stand around during practice. He said, I didn't even have a special teams coach until 1975, but Again, he's a long time in the league with 13 years with Baltimore, had some nice statistics. He is a punter, uh, but with that criteria, might count a little bit for him anyway. So uh, David Lee is my next nomination. Okay. Well, uh, wait a second. I'm, I'm still scratching my head over there. You said one of his highlight moments that he commented on was a 25-yard punt to the one-yard line. So yeah. Uh, the Colts must not have had much faith in their field goal kicker or their offense in that day to, to <laughs> right. kick from the 26-yard line. <laughs> That's uh, right. You know, when you think about that. <laughs> I think at least you go for it, you know. <laughs> Draw play something. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, well, I I think maybe we'll come back to him. I, I can't anoint a punter this early in the game. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I know, I know you like to, we, we try to find those punters for you, but I, <laughs> I don't know the position players, I think, uh, have precedence. <laughs> okay. And then Darren, I have one more player who spent a lot of time at number 49, but as one of those uh, individuals who's even more successful after his football life. And this is Dwayne Woodruff. He uh, wore number 11 for 11, excuse me, wore number 49 for 11 years with Pittsburgh. He won a Super Bowl. In 1982, he was the Steelers' MVP as a defensive back. But while he was still playing, he went to law school. 
and he completed his law degree while he was still playing. So for three years, he was a defensive back pounding away at receivers uh, for the Steelers while also pounding away at some bad guys in the courtroom. And, and he's now a judge. He's a, a common pleas judge in Allegheny County in, in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. So uh, a, quite an interesting career. And just his charitable works have been fantastic. Uh, what he's done, he's now on his second 10-year term on that Court of Common Pleas uh, when he was elected in 2015. And he and his wife are currently the chairpersons of Do the Right, as in writing, uh, thing in Pittsburgh. So uh, he's been the vice president of the NFL Players Association, alumni players, and had a good career, uh, a long career, not outstanding or spectacular statistics for a defensive back. But he did have 37 interceptions, which he returned for 689 yards. Yeah, he, he's definitely one. When I saw the uh, number come up that I definitely remember, and uh, he was always sort of a, a crowd favorite after those sort of the decline of the uh, steel curtain defenses. You know, you're losing some of the guys like Blount uh, when he was coming in, but he certainly uh, fit the bill when they, they needed him there in the early 80s. Uh, he had like uh, four or five years with uh, five interceptions uh, in, in them. So, you know, that's, that's pretty substantial for a defensive back over the long term. Um, I, I would almost say I would like to see probably him on that list because I think uh, he's definitely earned a, a spot on it. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Okay. So that's our fifth player. Okay. Uh, do you have anybody else you want to talk about right away? Or Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, we talk about the Hall of Fame and mm-hmm. the Professional Football Researchers Association, which is mentioned quite a bit on your programs and mine, selects a Hall of Very Good. And the Hall of Very Good are those players which the members of the association feel they should be at least be considered for the Hall of Fame. But since they're not, the PFRA is electing them for their Hall of Very Good. And that selection is becoming more and more noticed uh, by mainstream media, I think. And so my next suggestion for our top 10 is Eric Barnes, defensive back, played for the Bears, the Giants, Cleveland. Uh, six times all pro. He uh, once intercepted a pass and returned it 102 yards for the Giants, which is still a team record. But getting back to the Professional Football Researchers Association Hall of Very Good, in 2013, he was elected uh, by the PFRA. And uh, off the field in 1963, he started his career in 58, went through 71, but he was on a television show called To Tell the Truth where he was able to fool the the, uh, judges into thinking he was a guard at the Tomb of the Unknowns in Washington. So Eric Barnes, a six-time All-Pro, member of the PFRA Hall of Very Good, is uh, another one we might consider for our top 10 today. Yeah, he's another one that I had chalked down of uh, making that list, you know, because he definitely had a substantial career. Uh, Four seasons wearing a number 49, but uh, he did some great things with it, and when if the PFRA is recognizing them, I think that's uh that's pretty good to me. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So, I, so I, I think maybe we ought to have him on there on that list. What, what do you think? Yes, I think uh, I think he deserves it. Yeah. Okay. And you're all pro one time is great, but six times that's fantastic. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good number. 
All right. That is six uh, players that we have on there. Uh, is there anybody you'd like to go to next? No, you know, I've been uh, talking a lot. If you'd like, I could, but you, you <laughs> might have one or two that I've uh, probably talked too much already. <laughs> well, I'm going to pick up on some of those uh, guys that wore it for a long time. We had Larry Walton that wore number 49 for 10 seasons, and he was uh, sort of a wide receiver flanker back that uh, came in in the late 60s with the Detroit uh, Lions and played majority of his career there all the way to 1976 and then played uh, one final year, 1978. Not sure what happened to him in 77. He must have been out of football for a year or played in one of the alternative leagues, we'll say. Uh, not sure exactly. But yeah, he, he had a knee problem, I think. Was it a knee issue? Okay. Mm-hmm. I know usually they'll, they'll list on their injury, but they didn't have anything on uh, the uh, pro football reference on him. But he he had uh, a decent career. He had 27 touchdowns, um, 2,689 yards of receiving. Uh didn't really have any super distinctive uh, seasons, but he did. Uh, he was sort of one of those players, if I remember correctly, that uh, really fit the bill, you know, sort of that third down back uh, would uh, you know, catch, catch the passes or maybe run a, a draw play or something, catch the defense off guard. Um, I mean, he was a very serviceable player, but uh, somebody, I don't, I'm not sure if he'll make our list, but I think wearing it for 10 seasons uh, definitely was substantial and worth mentioning. Now we have a, another gentleman also, David Tate, who was a defensive back with the uh, Bears again and the Giants in Indiana. Uh, ten years that he wore number 49 and wasn't a full-time starter except for it looks like two seasons uh, with Indiana. Uh, but again, enjoyed a nice career from 88 through 97, uh, David Tate. Yeah, Um and then another one I want to mention didn't have the greatest uh, pro career, but he was a, a college standout, and that's uh, Ed Marinero. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was just a phenomenal player in in college. But he, uh, what we're talking about is his pro game, um, and you know he came in out of uh, Cornell, which which is weird for to talk <laughs> about an outstanding college player in the modern era. But, uh, you know, he came on with the, the Minnesota Vikings, played with them for four seasons, uh, the Jets and the Seattle Seahawks. And he was a you know very prolific rusher in college, but he only had 1,300 yards in uh, the NFL and only six touchdowns. Like I said, he probably won't make our list, but I think he was definitely worth mentioning because of uh, such a brilliant college career. Yeah, I think ESPN named him as one of the 150 greatest players in college football history a few years ago. And he was, as you mentioned, a great college player in 71, the Heisman Trophy runner-up. And, and as we all know, he made his mark in the acting field after he played football, Hill Street Blues, and other shows that he was on. So um, we don't know if he'll make our top 10 today, but he sure has had an interesting career, both in the field of football and as well as the acting and, industry. And you can't forget about his probably his biggest role. I'm saying this facetiously. Laverne and Shirley, he was on. Oh, that, I didn't know that. Yeah, he Ooh. was, I believe, Laverne's boyfriend for some amount of time. Oh. So. <laughs> Just through that little trivia, I, I got one in on you. I thought maybe uh, <laughs> usually you have those trivia tidbits, but uh, I got oh, you. That's a good one. <laughs> well, uh, Rod Perry's another uh, 
Jersey wear of number 49 that had some yeah. substantial seasons. You know, great defensive back had 30 interceptions uh, during his career Four of them went for touchdowns twice made the pro bowl. Uh, he came in with the Rams in 1975, played with them all the way to 1982. And then a couple seasons, 83, 84 with the Cleveland Browns. But uh, you know, he wore the 49, the majority, but the whole time with the Rams, which is uh, eight years. Um but he was a very good cornerback, uh, if I can remember, that uh, really, you know, a lot of uh, big plays in his, uh, his timing of the interceptions. And when you run four of them back for touchdowns, that's, that's definitely helping your team quite a bit there. But, oh, uh, that's right. He was uh, two times an All-Pro, and as you mentioned, he led the N- NFC, or excuse me, NFL in interception return for touchdowns one year. And had a great coaching career. I think he's been with six NFL teams as an assistant. And since 2012, he's been the uh, uh, one of the defensive back coaches for Oregon State. Ah, okay. I didn't didn't realize he stayed in coaching. So that's good. Man, I like I said, I think he's definitely somebody we ought to consider. Yeah, Not sure if yeah. we want to elect him yet, but uh, definitely somebody we want to consider. I believe before this is all said and done. I was going to uh, mention a, a guy who's still playing. Okay. Dan Sorensen for the Chiefs. He led the Chiefs in tackles last year with 91 total tackles and also in uh, 2017 with 88 total tackles. So he, he's still around, won a Super Bowl, of course, a year ago. Um, so we, we mostly talk about players who are retired or who played back at the beginning of the league, but Dan is still around and still active. Uh, We'll see him again uh, this year out in the field for the Chiefs. Okay. I, I think maybe we, he's one we ought to watch here at the end and uh, have some conversation about. Um, let's see. There was another gentleman I wanted to mention. It's, uh, you know, William Judson, who was another guy sort of probably on that interim of uh, even if we want to talk about him. Uh, yeah. for consideration, but you know, another good defensive back uh, had 24 interceptions in his career. Two of them taken back for touchdowns. Miami Dolphin his entire career, 1982 through 1989. So basically, that whole decade, uh, the Dan Marino era. But he's playing on the other side of the ball. He practiced against them every day, so I get makes you pretty good. You know, iron sharpens <laughs> iron. And uh, you know, he t- did a lot for his, in his career. Um, you know, just. Uh, remember him being a solid defender and I can't remember who the uh, guy on the other side when he was playing cornerback was, but they had another, they had a pretty good one. Mm. So he was getting some, a lot of action out of his way. And I can't remember his name offhand and it's on the tip of my tongue, but um, like I said, I, I'm not sure that he'll, he'll make it here, but definitely was a substantial uh, player at war number 49. Yeah. After that rookie year, he was never looks like he never left the field. He started every game he played in. Uh, for those last few years um, with the, with Miami. But like you said, and he wore number 49 for his entire eight-year career with Miami. And that's probably about the extent of people that um, I, I thought were pretty substantial that I was, you know, scrolling through. I'm not sure if you have uh, any other ones. You know, we have, we have, I guess, another modern player, maybe Tremaine Edmonds, who's only been in the league for four years. Um, uh, you know, it was a Buffalo Bill, that linebacker. You know, I think there's a th- all three brothers are are in the league right now. Uh, but you know, he's he's had a pretty decent uh, career out of the shoot with the Bills. But I'm not sure 
with because of the longevity of his career that we can consider him, uh, you know, one of the greatest players of all time to wear that number. Yeah. But he has made two Pro Bowls. Oh, okay. Another one, uh, another defensive back is Ralph McGill uh, in San Francisco and New Orleans. And he played, looks about like eight years or so, wore number 49 every year. Although he's a defensive back, he was also a, a, a great returner. And in his rookie year, he led the league in punt return yardage, 10, 10 yards of return back in 72. So uh, he was up there as among the league leaders a couple more times during his career. Not spectacular in terms of Hall of Fame type numbers, but uh, perhaps for our, our purposes today, Ralph McGill uh, might be considered. Okay. Yeah. I, I definitely worth the consideration there. And I, uh, I think I've exhausted my, my list of uh, folks I was going to talk about. Um, how about you? Have anybody I else? I think so. Did we talk about Tommy, Tony page at all? I don't think we did. No. Yeah, Tony, you my last one. I wanted to bring up uh, a running back uh, played with uh, the jets and the lions and Miami. He uh, was a starting fullback. We talked earlier about fullbacks. Don't get a lot of statistical opportunities. So he only had 272 rushes over his career. Uh, but he was used in short yardage situation. And um, when he was a rookie, he led the Jets in uh, touchdowns uh, back in 1984 with seven rushing touchdowns. And it's interesting because now he's another one of those uh, great players who has been successful off the field. He has a double duty as an agent. Uh, Cam Newton is one of his uh, customers, so to speak. And he's also a, a CBS studio analyst uh, for football mm. games. So Tony Page, uh, running back for Miami, excuse me, the Giants and Detroit and Miami. Okay. Well, I think he's definitely under consideration too. All right. Uh, you want me to review who, I mean, we've got some six in. And they are Bobby Mitchell, Walt Keesling, Dennis Smith, Dwayne Woodruff, Eric Barnes, and Tony Richardson. That's who we've, we've put in so far. And under ones we said we want to come back under strong consideration here are Rod Perry. Uh, I don't know if we want to consider Tremaine Edmonds, you know, two out of three years being in the Pro Bowl. Like I said, only three years of statistics. Uh, Ralph yeah. McGill, uh, Tony Page, Dan Sorensen. I think I got them all there. So we need to select four, four more folks to, to join our top 10. Oh, that's tough. Um, we, we, we were down to where we had ones that were a little easier to pick out. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sort of leaning towards Rod Perry being on there. Yeah, I would, I would uh, go along with Rod Perry. Okay. And the more I think about it, maybe, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, maybe he does deserve a little bit more consideration. You know, you're making the Pro Bowl two out of your three years in the league. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we are talking about all time, but yeah, that's, uh, he's going to have a great career. And so far he has done extremely well. So in or in or. Still, I'd say still in, yeah. In, okay. All right. So here's he's our eighth one on. And you know, just to review, we still got McGill, Page, Sorensen, and uh, 
two of two of those three if we we go with those guys unless we look back at david lee the punter oh boy you really want that punter in (laughs) (laughs) i don't even get the the name of punter coming when you say david lee i'm expecting you to say roth at the end of there you know the great uh, van halen singer from (laughs) 70s and 80s van halen I won't tell you the story about how I met David Lee Roth. We'll save that for another time. Oh, boy. That sounds like a whole episode uh, in itself. Just as interesting offstage as he is on. (laughs) Okay. That might be an R-rated version of the podcast. You know, Tony Page, uh, again, the guy didn't carry a lot, but, man, he he did well. We had a couple of blocking backs today. Maybe don't get some of the uh, recognition, so to speak. Okay, yeah, I think Tony Page is definitely there. And well, you want to go with um, look up McGill or Sorensen, both both solid players. Yeah. Hmm. I'm sorry, I just can't bring myself to your punter. I just can't. I can't do it. <laughs> Well, McGill was such a great receiver. Of course, you have to have a punter to get him the ball. I mean, a punt returner. <laughs> <laughs> Had a nice, uh, nice career. I, I, I think McGill. Uh, okay. As a returner and a defender. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. When you're playing a couple positions quite well, that's definitely uh, gives you some extra credit there. All right. So Tony Page, Tony Richardson, uh, Ralph McGill, Tremaine Edmonds. Um. Rod Perry, Eric Barnes, Dwayne Rudruff, Dennis Smith, Walt Keesling, and Bobby Mitchell. Those are our top 10 greatest number 49s that we've uh, selected here in this uh, 2021 offseason. So that's a pretty good list. That's uh, a tough one to pick. You know, some, uh, some of the folks I, I hadn't heard of or didn't know much about and uh, got educated today. That's yeah, and I think that's what's nice about what you're doing is recognizing some of these players who otherwise may not have been recognized. I'm not going to say they're forgotten, but to the common fan or the normal fan like myself, unless you look into it, you don't really know what great careers they had. Uh, it's it's the Hall of Fame or nothing for some fans, but no, there's very few people who get into the Hall of Fame, and we have guys who do the little things to make their teams win, like blocking. And right. Not a forgotten art. It's so necessary. And uh, I think that's a, a great thing that's happening with this. With number 49, that means you must be about halfway done with your list. We're, yeah, we're we're about at the time of this airing. We will be uh, right at that halfway point because we started with double zero. So that's uh, that's actually 50 numbers that we've covered. So oh, amazing. Yeah. So c- quite proud of that. It's been been a Tough journey, but it's been much made much easier with with folks like you contributing to the the podcast and uh, coming on and visiting and get to see your smiling face. Uh, well, I get to see it. The <laughs> listeners don't, but I get to see it uh, no, just about every week. So. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. I thank you very much. Do you have anything uh, coming up that maybe we should uh, the listener would be interested in listening to on the when football was football podcast? Well, our, our fo- when football was football, um, we have. Uh, currently, whenever our show here airs, but it will still be available, is talking about some Chicago Cardinals fans who braved minus 12 degree weather to jump in and challenge George Hellas. And then we have uh, 
a little thing about a segment about Ernie Nevers, the great Ernie Nevers, when he actually broke into pro football and it wasn't with an NFL team. Hmm. Okay. So those will be very, both running during the month of May. Very intriguing. We'll have to listen to those to find out. Well, Joe, I thank you once again for joining us here. And uh, I think we've got you down for some other numbers a little bit later here. And if not, uh, we're going to coerce you into some more because we enjoy uh-huh. having you. So <laughs> look forward to it. Thank you, Darren. All right. Thanks, Joe. Very good. Take care. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football, through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians, you'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.